Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got holes on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Away we go. Talking to people all the time, just like it says in the open. Watch the Seinfeld Marathon, actually, this morning while I was doing a little uh, prep work at the Casa before... Making the way out, and uh, the classic where George is perceived to be working 18-hour days at the Yankees because he's the first one. His car is there because he let, locked his keys in the car, so the car is parked at Yankee Stadium. So when Steinbrenner comes in in the morning, the car is there. When Wilhelm leaves at night, the car is there. That's also the one where then, because he hasn't shown up, they think he's dead. They go to Steinbrenner goes to uh, George's parents' house. Mister and Mrs. Costanza, George is dead. Why did you trade Jay Buhner? <laughs> He's got a rocket for an arm. <laughs> well, Buhner's a good prospect. Well, baseball people love Ken Phelps. They love Ken Phelps' bat. One of the all-time worst uh, Yankee trades, I would think, right? Jay Buhner, not an all-star. Actually, he probably must have been an all-star once or twice, but not a household name or Hall of Famer, perennial all-star, but good, solid major league player that the Yankees did not have. He went on to the Mariners. And Ken Phelps, a big beer league softball type that plotted around, played first base, and had a big swing. One all-star game in his career. Yeah. Jay good Buhner. player, could hit. Hit uh, for power. Really good throwing arm. Career 254 batting average. Mm-hmm. He, he lasted a good uh, time. And yeah. uh, 310 career home runs. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's nothing to sneeze at alongside uh, Ken Griffey Jr. there in the uh, Seattle outfield. A bald head, bad to the bone was his walk-up music. He had uh, yeah. three years of just RBAs, just yeah. fortunate. 121, I was going to say 120, yeah, 120, three years in a row. 138 and 109, so yeah, if you average it out. Yeah. Also led the big leagues in strikeouts. I was going to say, he had to be up there. Honey, any 150s? Uh, 175, 159. yeah. yeah. Which is probably, of course, back in that day too. Like now, somebody that has 150 strikeouts this year, they might not be in the top ten in strikeouts in the major leagues. You know, since since Jay Buhner's played, we've had 200 strikeout seasons and and that type of thing. So a little bit of a different era. But uh, my baseball people, they like Ken Phelps' bat, and uh, George obviously was not dead. But Frank Costanza got over it pretty easily there. We're going to visit with Cam Lynch on today's show. Talk uh, a little college and NFL action. Cam got in the uh, first game of his fourth season with the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks on Sunday. That was a uh, high-scoring game that they eked out in New Orleans, forty-eight forty. Want to get his thoughts on some of these things that you know we can hear the talking heads pontificate about Aaron Rodgers. What about being on the same field as Aaron Rodgers and the magic that uh, he had there on Sunday? We'll get into that, and of course the. Syracuse football game. We'll hear from Coach Babers and more previewing that matchup with Florida State at noon on Saturday. The 96 through 98 teams will be honored for their Big East championship, so a lot of those guys are coming back. We may touch base on that before the week is out. Let's start today, though, 
with the Monday night games from last night, Rams-Raiders turned out to be kind of a snoozer. Rams might be the best team in the NFL, and uh, this one did not hold my interest. I don't think I made it to the, the second half in this one. I do like John Gruden. I like to see him be successful, but uh, they are doomed from the start with this Khalil Mack trade, and things did not go well uh, for Oakland last night. Raiders a, a totally Ooh. loaded roster and uh, got the job done. Have we been possessed? It had have been a website thing. Doing okay. that. I was just looking also, by the way, before you. There are currently 10 players in the MLB with more Already right. This season than, was yeah, still three weeks left. They've yeah, got. Yeah, Jay Buhner did in his. They'd have 150 strikeouts. Wow. Who's leading the major oh, leagues in batter strikeouts right now? It, I shut it because it was uh, making weird noises. Okay. So. Well, there's I'll also that little. It, yeah. I'll look at it during the co- okay. next commercial. Play. Okay. Um, so that, yeah, Rams and Raiders, not competitive. Neither of the two games were competitive last night. Uh, both of the winnings teams pulling away down the stretch. The Jets-Lions game, how about Sam Darnold with maybe the dumbest throw you're ever going to see on his first NFL pass attempt, running to his right, stopping, throwing 30 yards horizontally across the field, an absolute recipe for a pick six. That's exactly what it was. So he starts his career – by giving six to the other team. And from that point on, couldn't have been better. He looked awesome as a uh, rookie, and they you know beat that dead horse, the youngest starting quarterback on opening day in the NFL in 50 years, and blah, blah, blah. But he looks um, ready for what will uh, be in front of him this year. The Jets, obviously, uh, not tremendous. But here's how uh, Darnold bounced back. Heard this one actually on the drive home. Our friend Ian Eagle from Westwood One. Shotgun. For Darnold on a third and two at the 41 of Detroit. Darnold pump fake. He's got time. Darnold launches a deep one towards the end zone, and it is caught. Oh, Robbie Anderson! What a grab! Touchdown, Jets. Sam Darnold delivers late in the second quarter. 41-yard bomb to Anderson, and this crowd is stunned. Heard a stat on ESPN this morning talking about how Darnold attempted fewer passes into tight windows as it's defined by their analytics, the way they can chart where players are and all that stuff. So balls to within to a receiver that had a defender within a yard more complicated than we need to get into here. But it basically saying he was making high percentage passes and converting on them. And uh, this one to the speedster. Robbie Anderson was one of the few exceptions where he threw it into a tight spot. Anderson, uh, the catch, and off to the races, and the Jets poured on, poured it on against the Lions. Matt Patricia from VVS High School down the road here, and a very Syracuse-heavy Lions coaching staff. They've got a lot of familiar names, not just Paul Pasqualoni as the defensive coordinator, but guys like uh, Chris White and uh, others that are on that staff, names that you would recognize if you follow uh, Syracuse football closely they take it on the chin badly in their uh, opening game and in the society that we're in now everybody jumping to conclusions I saw a lot of last night what are people going to realize that hiring Belichick's assistance doesn't work out let's just ease up a little bit on that for right now it's one game any of this stuff is one game or in college we're two games into the season just chill <laughs> right now you can uh, throw out some of the barroom discussion but it is just that 
for the time being. So uh, good on the Jets and Rams who clean up uh, their Monday night football with victories. That's the only Monday night football doubleheader that's scheduled for the season. And uh, we are off and running in the NFL with uh, a full slate of games this week and then kind of into the rhythm. It's uh, amazing how fast it comes. I know the Thursday games are controversial, but among the reasons that the NFL is addictive for people, that whole weekend, right? It drags out. You got the Thursday, you got your college football Saturday, you got back to NFL Sunday, two games on Monday, and we don't have to wait very long. We're right back in the saddle for another Thursday game, which the Ravens actually, after their big blowout, have to bounce right back into to play. The uh, biggest game of the weekend might be Pats and Jaguars. We'll talk about that with Cam Lynch coming up. We got a word on that from Tom Hart of ESPN, who will have the call of that game on uh, ESPN Radio on uh, Sunday. So uh, that's ahead in the, the National Football League this weekend. Yon Mancata, 195 strikeouts. The Bare- most of, barely the leader, though. Yeah, it's amazing. What's Giancarlo there's, Carlos Stanton's second with 194. There's not the stigma... There's not the stigma around strikeouts now that there once was. The you know greatest hitters of all time, Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio, famously didn't strike out. They, they're basically even home runs and strikeouts for their career. Tony Gwynn, your guy, did not strike out. It, it was an embarrassment to strike out back then. Mark Reynolds, the guy who started this season with the uh, Syracuse Chiefs, I think is a modern-day Dave Kegman. He's a guy that's, I would say, sort of led – the trend away from where it was embarrassing. It used to be embarrassing certainly to strike out 100 times in a year. Then that kind of went away. And then, God forbid, you can't strike out 200 times in a year. Guys would sit out at the end of seasons to avoid that happening to them. And now, no big deal. Yo Mankata is going to 195 and not done yet, probably, right, in terms of uh, strikeouts for the season. So, And I'm looking at the numbers. There's, there's a couple guys on here that are putting up numbers where you can – Live with ignore it. the ignore the um the strikeouts. Like Giancarlo Stanton's got thirty three yeah. home runs. Joey Gallo's got thirty five. Chris Davis forty one home runs. So, Chris Davis with a K. The yes, A is Chris yes, Davis. Yeah, what about Chris Davis with a C? He has. He's having one of the worst. Sixty three. He's got yeah. sixteen home runs. He's having one of the statistically worst seasons in Major League Baseball history. What's his batting average at right now? One seventy seven. It's gone yeah, up since the whole. <laughs> See, he play, plays every day. He's got a gargantuan contract that the uh, Orioles run him out there for, and he is literally having one of the worst. I mean, I'd love to know something getting to the bottom of it there. If it, you, you can't have that much bad luck that all of a sudden you go from a decent, I mean, it was never a great hitter for average, but you go from a decent hitter, productive part of a lineup, to, you know, everybody has slumps, but to have a season-long slump at 165 for the year, as a good hitter, there's probably something more going on there with Chris Davis. He's not even getting on base in a hitter's park, no, I, at all. Like thirty percent. We the- went to this is a discussion for another time. I know people get into the whole thing about baseball and how much downtime there is, and the ball's not put in play enough. We went to a game early in the season, Phillies at Baltimore, and granted, Nick Pavetta was on the mound for Philadelphia. He's got amazing stuff and has an ability to shut down. Uh, opposing lineups. Adam Jones had an early home run in that game. It was kind of rainy. But there was a stretch where I think it was 11 batters in a row between the two teams didn't put the ball in play. And Chris Davis obviously is part of that. Uh, that's just the way the, the game is for right now. And I hate it as a baseball fan that I take my attention away from baseball at this time of year. Football, the way it's packaged, the way it comes at you, uh, the way my own personal 
life and routine gets busy at this time of year. I don't consume a lot of baseball. Uh, Yankees, I had on the, I popped over quickly during a, uh, on the drive home last night, commercial break in the football game. I popped over to the baseball game, and uh, Yankees are playing in Minnesota. Listen to John and Susan on TK ninety nine for a minute, but then after that, I didn't really even think about the Yankee game until I got the, uh, you know, saw this morning there was an alert on my phone with the result. They won the game. Great. You move on. The volume of games, uh, there's just not the urgency that there is in football, and this is the time of year we turn our attention elsewhere, and then hopefully, uh, well, certainly in our case, we'll get back into it for the playoffs. I'm trying to do something really nerdy right now, and hopefully maybe I can do it before the end of the show. There are currently 16 players in Major League Baseball batting over 300. Does that seem... 16? Low or high? Like, cause uh, I'm trying to think. That's maybe a little on the low side, but I think if you look at the team batting averages, uh, the batting average is down across the board. It's not as emphasized in terms of... But are, are we just being... Are, are we seeing things as old people the now? The 1980s like, Yeah, uh, like if I'm, look, if I'm looking at 1989-88 stats, are there going to be more people batting 300 Yes. 16? You think so? Yeah. I mean, you could, you could look that up right now, but I would say yes. Look that up during the break. We've got Cam Lynch coming up next. Let's see. What, what are we going for? Are we going to say there's more than 16 hitters in 19, let's say 1988? Yeah. More than 16 players that hit over 300? I would say yes, there were. All right. We'll take a look. Okay. All right. Cam Lynch of the uh, Tampa Buccaneers will join us next. We are in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the Booth is brought to you by Marriott Syracuse Downtown. We thank them for that and their sponsorship. Thank you for listening. You can join us anytime by phone at 315-437-7644 or 4ESPN44 if you'd like to join us. They tell us we'll be on in Utica starting next week. That's an exciting development, so looking forward to uh, seeing the folks out that way on the radio as well. Let's get to Cam Lynch, who's become a regular guest for us and uh, good to plug into his insights not only on uh, Syracuse football of course as a former player here and a guy who keeps an eye on it but more currently and appropriately for right now an active National Football League player with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cam uh, good to have you on and I know you are excited to be 1-0 after a uh, shootout a South Division shootout in uh, New Orleans for you on Sunday against the Saints. Man most definitely thanks for having me on Syracuse family hello um yeah, it was an absolute shootout this past weekend against the Saints. Uh, past past playoff uh, playoff team. Uh, we have to see them again this year, but it was an sh- absolute shootout. I look forward to playing those guys again. It was a, a crazy environment, and I'm, so I'm going to be that way again uh, this weekend uh, against the Eagles coming up this week. Well, you only get the uh, national, the uh, world champions on your uh, schedule this week. We can get into that. They won against the Falcons last Thursday, eighteen twelve. So they've got a little bit of time to uh, build up to your game, and yours was a 48-40 Bucks win in the Dome against uh, New Orleans. And, you know, you know going in, right, that uh, Drew Brees is going to find a way to put up some points. I know the Saints uh, felt as though they may have left some out there. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's uh, well-traveled, uh, fans in this area will know him as a former quarterback for the Bills and the Jets, and uh, he was responsible uh, for a-, a huge part of the production there it was one of those Fitz Magic type games on Sunday. Definitely Ryan Fitz Magic. Uh, he's he's an incredible, incredible athlete, incredible teammate. You know, going on, I think his 14th year in the league. Uh, you know, we keep him healthy, man. Get Jameis back. We, we should be a, a team to uh, to watch out for. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to just seeing what we're going what we're going to do this week, man. We got to keep that mindset like mindset one game at a time. Uh, we have a big opponent coming up this week. Uh, like I said, Ryan last week he lit it up, man. He put that ball in the air. Deshaun, Mike Evans, uh, you know Chris Godwin, those guys went to go get it, and uh, Adam Humphrey. So I'm excited to see what we'll do this week again. Um, and you know it's a high caliber team. It's gonna be a high a high uh, high intensity game, a fast playing game, and I look forward to playing those guys. How good are the Eagles, Cam? When you uh, are in your meetings and film study, do you see something that jumps out that says, "Okay, this is what a championship team looks like"? Yes, most definitely. It's in their energy. Uh, you saw it last year. Uh, obviously, on you know, special teams, those guys would, guys would run through the end zone, get the crowd pumped up. I uh, kind of like how we're doing this year, man. We feel that energy. We feel that rise. And like you said, man, Ryan Fitzmagic, he's making it happen. So as long as we keep him healthy. Keep him gunning. Uh, I think we'll. I think we'll do it a lot of damage. But you know, just watching the Eagles, man, and seeing their like the energy and the and the way they move. So if we match that and, and beat that this week, we'll we'll be successful. Cam Lynch is our guest, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll uh, use him to spin around the NFL from a player's perspective uh, from week to week here. And with all due respect to uh, Ryan Fitzmagic, what he did was fantastic. It was an all timer for Aaron Rodgers on Sunday night. Brought the Packers down from. Uh, 20 nothing down at Lambeau. Three touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. Apparently on one leg. They still haven't committed to uh, his availability for this week. But you've been on the same field as Aaron Rodgers, Cam. Is this a guy that's got a different presence? You know, we think that watching TV. What about the players? Yes, he did. he brings a different presence the way he throws the ball. Uh, people say, I would say his release is kind of like Steph Curry's release where it's it's a quick out of your out of out of his hands, it's accurate, um, and it's kind of like a, it's weird, but it's a straight line. He throws straight lines, kind of like Tom Brady. Um, if you ever went to the barber shop and a barber gave you a straight, nice edge up, I would say Aaron Rodgers has that perfect line, that perfect edge up, where it's like if you're feeling great, looking great, and you just know that he gives his best. So um, he's a lot of comparisons, but at the end of the day, he's probably one of the second best quarterbacks in the league right now. So you put him second to Brady. What's the edge? I would think it's got to be so fine between the best of the best. Right. It's it's a championship, man. I mean, Brady has a great coach behind him. Um, Brady has championships behind him. So when Aaron Rodgers, if he if he gets a chance to get him some some rings, um, we'll, we'll we'll have some conversations. But until then, Brady will be be one. will be one of the best quarterbacks to play the game. Cam, put us in position with some of the coaches that we keep an eye on here because they have local ties. Doug Marone, the uh, former Syracuse and Bills coach goes into his hometown with the Jaguars who are highly thought of. I know you know that team's personnel very well. The uh, Jaguars win uh, in MetLife this past Sunday, and they've got the Patriots at home this week. Yes, they have They have a lot on their hands, but at the same time, too, I saw Coach Marone during the preseason uh, this year, and uh, I told him I was proud of the man. Just last year, they made a great playoff run. Uh, we played them in the uh, preseason uh, again last year as well, and he ran a tough camp, man, and um, we're doing the same thing as well with the Buccaneers. We ran a tough camp this year, and we we're playing well. He started off fast, so uh, they, they have a big like they're they're kind of our situation. They're kind of in our situation as well, where they're playing Super Bowl contendee in the Patriots. So we have the Eagles coming up, so we have a lot of preparing to do. And I have uh, a big hopes in Coach Barone being a Syracuse alum and ourselves uh, being in the Buccaneers. That's a rematch of the uh, AFC Championship, as you said. You're talking about the the very best of the best here, and you can tell the difference 
the teams that really have it together, and it's not a fluke, obviously, that uh, those teams are in it every year. The Bills, I think we knew going into the season, would take a step back. Uh, quarterback situation, they're trying to groom Josh Allen as a rookie. Tell me what it's like to be in the locker room, if you can, off laying an egg. You know, they we know maybe it's going to be a tough year for the Bills, but it's 47 nothing on opening day. Uh, they eventually, you know, came back and got some points on the board, but uh, they looked like they were not ready for the season to start. Yeah, it, it was tough to see, tough to watch a little bit. Um, you know, as a special teamer, watching some of the fumble snaps by the Bills, that was that was tough to watch. Um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, that's week one. You wipe that clean. Um, the league is a week-to-week league, right? So, you know, I, I emphasize the Eagles a lot because we played the Saints uh, last week, right? You, you, you use the 24-hour rule and you wipe that clean. So the Bills need to wipe that loss clean, wipe the ugliness clean, and move on to the next week. Uh, get focused on their next opponent. But it was tough to watch, and hopefully they can turn their season around. Can borrow on your special teams expertise, Cam, on a couple of fluky plays in this opening week where, and I heard it said last night on one of the game broadcasts about you know special teams, you might not practice together. That might be a unit that gets just kind of thrown together at the end of training camp in some cases. Uh, the kick operations are not as clean in week one as they will be once uh, teams get into a groove. The Raiders last night, lost their long snapper during the game, and uh, that you could tell right away, it was uh, obvious to the naked eye, threw off the timing right away. Yeah. Yes, Andrew DePaul, I played with him at the Buccaneers, actually. You know, prayers for his uh, recovery. You always want to uh, you know, hear that guys are okay from those injuries. But, um, yes, that is tough. That's why it's always important to, to work your backups in each team, right, whether it be professionally, whether it be in life as well. Make sure the people that are next up are ready to play. Um, so, in that situation, you know, you pray that the, the backup snapper is ready to go, and um, that's just a wake-up call for everyone in the league to just make sure that your backups are healthy, your backups are ready to go, and it's the next man up mentality. So, um, you know, be ready when your number's called or prepare as if you were to start. Cam Lynch is with us just another minute or so. The Orange and Florida State this weekend, Cam, in the Dome. It's the ACC opener for Syracuse. And I think people are getting excited in a couple of aspects about this game. One is, you know, the talent, generally speaking, is a little bit of a cut above at Florida State than it is at Syracuse. But you look at one team sort of emerging from a transition and the other one in it. Uh, Florida State's off to a slow start this year. You know about the Seminoles being down your way there in Tampa. And uh, I think people here are licking their chops to have as good a shot as ever against FSU. Yes, you have to take take it one week at a time, right? Syracuse did well first week, Western Michigan second week, um, you know, against that team up there in Wagner. So yeah. uh, it's, it's, you take it one week at a time, prepare for this Florida State team. Um, and, you know, we want to refer to last year, right? We played against uh, we played against these teams last year, played against and beat a Clemson team, right? So you prepare every week as, as if it was a big week, um, like the Buccaneers did we, as, as we did, right? We prepare for the Saints. They were in the playoffs. They're a great team, and we whipped them, so we're going to prepare for the uh, for the Eagles coming up, and uh, hopefully whip them as well, be 2-0. So we pray that uh, Syracuse is 3-0 this week. Um, we pray, uh, we hope they play fast and start um, and just start fast, and uh, it, it'll be a great weekend. You know, when you do have some momentum, as Syracuse does, they've overmatched two opponents, let's face it, Western Michigan and Wagner, but you can build some cohesiveness, you can build some rhythm. That's what the whole offensive philosophy is, to go faster than the defense can accommodate you might see where there could be further along in an FSU offense that's trying to still learn that way. And obviously FSU has 
excellent personnel. But this is a game where I think two things that Syracuse is going in their their favor, and maybe you can give us a player's perspective on it. Number one, being at home and being settled going into this game. And number two, the knowledge that last year's game really could have been won by Syracuse on the road. They lost by three in a game where Eric Dungy uh, played you know, banged up for a great deal of it. Is there real holdover from one year to the next for players? Um, I mean, you remember it, but you forget at the same time. You wipe it clean, you wipe that slate. So um, I think, man, just with from watching FSU, from watching Syracuse, I think if we control that line of scrimmage and we and we put that ball up top, I think we can make plays. Sanford, Sanford had their way with uh, with Florida State last uh, last week at the beginning of the the first half and um, going into the second. So I think if seriously we start fast and finish strong, man, we we stay healthy uh, on our side. I think we should have a chance against Florida State. So um, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um, I know there's holdover from when I played Florida State, so I, I hope they take it to them. There you go. Well, it's a noon game in the dome. Uh, should be a little steamy in there this coming Saturday. Uh, very much looking forward to it. Cam, we appreciate your insight. We'll catch up with you again next week, okay? Most definitely. See you next week. All right, that's Cam Lynch of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Bucks and Eagles this weekend, Syracuse and Florida State Saturday. We talked about the great atmosphere on the quad and in the stands and all of that. Uh, in the Wagner game, hopefully that gets repeated, and then the Orange would be heavily f- favored the following week against a UConn team that has really struggled here at the start of the year. Back with much more as we continue in the booth. Brought to you by the Marriott Syracuse downtown. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Don't care no more. The SETI, or the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Spotted oh, yeah, the SETI, we call it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> no, that's right. Spotted 72 signals from a distant galaxy using artificial intelligence. You don't subscribe to SETI monthly like Polly does? <laughs> I can't say I do, no. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't care less. Really? Yeah. This is like, wild. I think it's 72 wild. signals from a... Di- like what? Is this the first you've thought that there's a distant galaxy? So, see, this is where well, we're going. Take it back. I do care. I mean, you know, yes, I care that there exists. But what I'm saying is, is this news or this uh, like a big revelation that there's... Other galaxies and well, it means there could be like they're yeah. You want to know more about that, yeah? But like, are we picking up their Westwood One coverage <laughs> yeah. or what? Yeah. You know, it's like I, I think it's fascinating. I think it's pretty cool too. I think it's wild. Like you think there's a galaxy away that can hear you? Touchdown, orange! No, like, just randomly. They want to know who's doing the game on ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to break. There, that's a good do we care. How many people have to do that to you on a weekly basis? Yeah, it's, we'll a, it's only really one, but it happened to be two two this week. People are tweeting at Matt, who's calling the game for ESPN on television, which is kind of insulting to ask the guy who calls the game on the radio who's doing it <laughs> on a different broadcast, right? Yeah, I don't think anybody means it as an insult. I, I I say it's kind of the equivalent of walking into a restaurant and asking what the specials are at the restaurant across the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of the equivalent. But I try to answer back. I tend to, you know, I do know that. The thing I'm a little more curious is why does anybody care to know who the announcers are of a game like that are ahead you not of time? Watch because of it. Well, no. The only reason I could think of that people ask, and I think we've maybe had this conversation on Twitter before. One, the one guy who asks more most regularly, I think he just says, "Well, I'm just curious." I think the reason that people want to know is 
it is their way to sort of determine is this a big game or not. If Dick Vitale's doing your big game, oh, this must be perceived nationally as a big game. If Jay Billis is doing your game, it's a big game. I pretty much can guarantee that nobody I could stop out here on the street in Armory Square has any idea about Mark Jones and Dusty Dvorak, right? But you can but, also Google it. Like, there's websites that release that stuff. Yes, like, it's probably ask, harder to find than, to than you think, the, but, but yeah. The play-by-play guy Well, you could Google radio. a lot of things that people ask on Twitter, <laughs> but they like the interaction. Sure. I don't consider it a... I wonder who's calling uh, the game on the sixth planet in well, the 14th galaxy. Ask the search for extraterrestrial <laughs> intelligence. They'll let you know. SETI. My fault on that. No, I'm not familiar with uh, the search for extraterrestrial <laughs> intelligence. My apologies. That's uh, part of the joke, Tommy. I'm not either. That was... <laughs> that was okay. uh, La Liga has sought permission to play its first game in the U.S. at Miami's Hard Rock uh, Stadium. And this would be between uh, Barcelona and Girona, so that would have Lionel Messi in the game. Do we care? Soccer people care. I'm sure it's a, it's a big deal. No, nobody wants to play games at home anymore. NFL games are moving to London. Uh, La Liga games are coming to America. Good for them. Marketing uh, their sport. Miami seems like a good place to do it. I'm sure people that are into soccer will uh, will think that's a big deal. Knock themselves out. And SB Nation has already started their bowl predictions. And they currently have Syracuse in the pinstripe bowl once again. Against Minnesota. So this would be the Mark Coyle Bowl. It would. Yeah, I would uh, typically I say, and I'm not hesitating really. Oh, I guess I am hesitating. But I would say, you know, sign up for any bowl right now. Right right now, go for it. If you tell me Syracuse, Minnesota, Pinstripe Bowl this year, all for it. And I could rattle off all the things, all the reasons that that would be great for the program. And I, st- I stand by that. I think maybe some variety – aside from the pinstripe bowl and playing in the Yankee stadium for the second time in a year and all of that would be uh, desirable. But if you tell me the alternatives are Detroit, Shreveport, whatever, I would take the pinstripe bowl. I think it's great for Syracuse to play uh, in that bowl game. You know, the coil storyline, it's not like there's any, you know, great animosity or anything you can get into with that. Uh, I think that's, you know, a, a very, very small thing. I think Minnesota is the type of program that Syracuse should play, and uh, I'd take it. Generally speaking, I'll go back to what I said before. We're two weeks into the season. We're one week into the NFL. The whole jumping to this is who's in the Heisman race and this is what the bowls are going to shake. Let, let's let the games play out. The quick lane bowl. Is That's a, Detroit. That's the day after Christmas in Detroit. an ACC bowl, pinstripe bowl, Music City bowl. I'd take any of these. Camping Music World City bowl. would be great, yeah. Camping, Camping World, World, Orlando, yeah. Belk Bowl. Charlotte. Uh, Sun Bowl. Military Bowl, all AC, Gator Bowl, yeah. all ACC ties. Yeah, yeah. Take any single one of yeah, them. Yeah, this football season comes down to a bowl. Being in any bowl is a step in the right direction. What about the famous Idaho Potato Bowl? Would you do that if we had a fill-in for a Mountain West or a Mac? Yeah, you'd yeah, have no other reason to go to Boise. Why, why not? I hear it's lovely up there. Blue turf I could Hold on. take more getting used to than I have time to deal with. Getting but. something from SETI. There you go. Do they, does does ET have the bowl schedule? Plan? Maybe they already know. No, in, a, in a far off galaxy, maybe Until they're the future. they're playing us like puppets. They've got it all figured out already. The Dollar General Bowl would do it. 
I would do what it. do you think the swag bag is at the Dollar General? <laughs> <laughs> would that it's be the a worst dog one? Chew toy. <laughs> yeah. A can of there's, generic yeah, Chef Boyardee. Eight, 18 things that we got for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all I got. The Gasparilla uh, Bowl. Yes, that's uh, Frisco Bowl. St. Petersburg. Or no, that's one. Of, that one is at the Tampa Bay Rays Stadium, right? Gasparilla Bowl. And the oh, Cure Bowl. So a lot of them. That one's in uh, Orlando. So is that the name band The Cure? Or is yeah. <laughs> you got to dress emo going into that Done with my ball jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Any, no, trust me. Any bowl would would be good. Some are more good than others. But uh, and again, pinstripe bowl I think is a great fit for Syracuse. If Syracuse isn't going to be in some bowl that pays, you know, significant money, um, pinstripe bowl is great for a lot of reasons. It's in a fan area. It's in a recruiting area. Yankee Stadium has the historic uh, background, etc. Uh, I don't want to hear it from anybody like. Oh, this is boring because it's the bowl we've been to the last couple of times. It, you're not in place to pick and choose right now, and uh, and any bowl is better than not going to one. Beggars can't be choosers. Before we go to break, what year were you born in, Tommy? Ninety six. Nineteen ninety. Today, on this day in nineteen ninety six. Happy birthday! Yes, it is. That's a odd way to put that. Isn't it? <laughs> happy birthday, Tommy. Uh, appreciate it. All right, so uh, I'm going to ask you a question. You have zero chance of knowing the answer to, and something we hit on earlier in the show. There are currently 16 players in Major League Baseball who are batting over 300. In 1988, the good old days of baseball, as Matt and I, in our Matt and I's heyday, do you think there were more or less people hitting over 300? More, for sure. Like, do you think by a large amount or? It's pro- there's probably three people on each team. So yeah, I would say that would be insanely about 90. Two. Yeah, you don't think? No, there was two on each team. Is See, I, th- I was I was gonna say no. it was I was gonna say it was upper twenties. No, three on each. Th- no, three yeah. on a team is really good. There's not three on each team. No, I was gonna I say mean, I, 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 now I know the number, but it's about what I thought it would I be. Was, really? Yeah. I was I thought it would have been more than that. I thought it would have been like thirty players, were, but it, it was twenty two. So wow. it was yeah. it isn't that great of a no. And Kevin Seitzer was one of them. Yeah, you want to. Do we have enough time? Do you want to see if you can? Yeah, I can, I'll do that when we come back. See, All right, see so we'll see, see how many of the 19. We're going to, what do we do? 1988, 22 players at 300. How many can I name? It's my old baseball card collection. We'll take a shot at that when we come back. Thank you, Tommy. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back in the Booth brought to you by Marriott Syracuse Downtown. Adam Terry, our partner in crime on the football broadcast, will be with us on tomorrow's show at 2.15. We'll get a little game day flavor by the end of the week. May have some tickets to give away for you uh, by the end of the week. The Orange and Florida State ACC opener for the Qs Saturday at noon. Not sure uh, how we got on this topic of strikeouts. Refresh my memory. Doesn't matter. But we're going to see. The uh, theory was how many how strikeouts have proliferated over... Oh, we're going to talk about Jay Buhner. Okay, so strikeouts have proliferated over time. The point we're going to have a lot more 200 Strikeout players this year than ever before. Fewer 300 hitters. There's on track to be about 16 300 hitters. So we went back uh, 30 years, 1988, Polly. There were 22 300 hitters. We're going to attempt to name a few, right? Yep. Um, should we do this? How many? Because well, I'll just rattle them off, and you you count up the number I get right. All right. You want to do it that way? Yeah. What else? Not, I was going to say I'll give you. You want to get 10? Yeah. Well, see, I mean, I'm, right. I'm not going to get them all. I, all right. I'm actually. 
the, I, get, I have a lot of faith during the break. I got kind of nervous because I'm I'm not sure I'm going to hit the right wheelhouse of okay. uh, of time frame here. But we'll we'll give it a shot. All right. Well, I think we maybe can get to ten. Okay. Okay. Wade Box. Bingo. Led the league in batting three sixty six that year. Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn led the National League in batting with a three thirteen average that year. Will Clark. No. No Will Clark. Don Mattingly. Don Mattingly batted three eleven that year. Um, Cal Ripken was not that good a hit, not that good a hitter for average. George Brett. George Brett batted three oh six that year. Um, That's four. Ryan Sandberg. No. This might be a little on the early side for Roberto Alomar. You said there were 10 Hall of Famers on this yes. list. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Yeah, no Roberto Oh, Alomar. Dave Winfield, you gave that one away. Dave Winfield, that's five. He batted 322 that year. That's a heck of a year. Um, I'm running out of steam here, not going to lie to you. Uh, if you think 80s Hall of Famers, you're going to pull this off. Right. Andre Dawson. Andre Dawson, the Hawk, batted three oh three this yep. year. Uh, Tim Raines. Tim Raines did not bat three hundred that year. But you're very close with him, kind of, if you think of a player that's very similar to him. Ricky Henderson. Yes. <laughs> yeah, shoot, I should have Seven, known that. he batted three oh five. Got to get three more. Yeah, not gotta go National Leaguers. It was a bad year for National League hitting that year. I see one, two, three, four. What about I'll throw an American guys. League wild card at you. What about Ruben Sierra? No. That was a little bit early for his uh his run there. No. Uh Bash brothers were rookies, they were just getting going. So uh Mark McGuire. No, <laughs> Jose Canseco. Yes. Oh, okay. Wow. Jose Canseco batted three oh seven that year. Okay, we're up to eight. Yep. We got two more. Robin Yount. Robin Stinking Yount batted three oh six. Alan Trammell. Alan Trammell batted three eleven that year. Okay, so that's ten in about fifteen guesses. You're, that wasn't, you're on that fire. wasn't horrible. We can round it out with. Uh, oh, do you want to keep going? No. Gary Gaetti. Yep, Minnesota Twins. That, Gerald Perry. Wouldn't have gotten that one. The big cat. Yeah, Galarraga. Yep, thought about Julio him. Franco. Yep. Kevin Seitzer. Dave Henderson. Henderson. Johnny Ray. Yeah, I can't Angels. do much for you on Johnny Ray. Uh, bah, bah, George Rafael Palmero. Oh, yeah. Kent Herbeck. Palmero with the Cubs that year? Uh, yep. Yeah, Herbeck uh, with the Twins. Kent Herbeck. Mike Greenwell. A lot of hitter-friendly ballparks. Greenwell's a great player. the late, great Kirby Puck. Greenwell was the one that wanted to be named MVP in retrospect after he lost to uh, to Jose Canseco. Oh, Kirby Puckett was on my list to guess beforehand. I blew that one. My right, fault. 30, Sorry, Kirby. You got 30 seconds. Okay. Good, uh, good work out there, Polly, getting into that one. We'll have uh, some of the thoughts from Dino Babers and stuff we can push uh, to tomorrow. We'll be at uh, the Press Room Pub on Thursday night for the Dino Babers Show, brought to you by... AmeriQ. I don't think it's a huge surprise that we'll talk special teams with Justin Lustig. Coach Babers uh, gushing on the special teams performance so far through two games. That has been uh, integral. Back here tomorrow, 2 o'clock, we'll talk football with Adam Terry and you in the booth on ESPN Radio. Oh, oh.